Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Brandon Escott with you this evening. Bob Stoffer with the Oilers en route to San Jose. The Sharks hosting Edmonton 8.30 tomorrow night. A late one on 6.30. Chad coverage starts with Oilers Now. Let's rewind that. from uh, So that's what, 5.30? Hang on. No, we'll have a full show. That's when we'll have a full show. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you at 5 tomorrow. Bob will, as a matter of fact. Uh, you know the guests of the show do receive gift cards to uh, Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Tell Chris and Chef Altoff that Oilers now sent you. Again, uh, Jack Campbell, we know, is in the minors. If you missed it, though, McDavid and Dreisaitl have been separated at practice, so McDavid centering Ryan McLeod, who's been elevated, and uh, Zach Hyman up there, Dreisaitl centering Dylan Holloway, and Warren Fogel. Let's head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. They've got Sunday brunch at the River Cree. It brings a taste of Italy. Sunday from 11 to 4, you can find favorites like tiramisu, French toast, ed, uh, eggs benedictine, and uh, a lot more. Book your table at rivercreeresort.com. He joins us each week for our friends at Abe's Door Service. And, well, there's uh, been a lot of smoke and, frankly, a lot of fire here out in Edmonton uh, this week, specifically. Elliot Friedman joining us uh, again for Abe's Door, where service is their specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca. Elliot, you're on with Brendan. How's it going tonight? I'm good, Brendan. How are you doing? I am doing very well, thank you. But uh, obviously, a lot going on around the city of Edmonton sort of has become the talk of the National Hockey League and really not for the right reasons. Jack Campbell clearing waivers officially, which we all sort of expected he would with that $5 million price tag. Uh, what yeah. uh, what can you sort of enlighten us on regarding this situation? Why was this the move that Edmonton ended up making amid this slide? Well, number one, I think that there had to be a shock to the system. Um, and, and that's, you know, that was definitely a shock to the system. I think that they wanted to do, like, first of all, things couldn't continue the way that they were going. And they had to change. Everybody knew they had to change. And uh, it, it came down to a situation where I think simply they said, what's the thing that we have to change right away? And I think there's two things. I think there's the way they play and getting stops. Because I know goaltending is taking a huge uh, blame here, and I do deserve some of it. But it's not like the Oilers are playing great defense. They're among the worst rush defensive teams in the league. And it's not just that you're not getting saves. It's just that you're giving up glorious chances. Now, uh, are they looking around for things? Yeah, I, I think they're looking around for things. But the number one thing they had to fix right away was the goaltending. They just could not continue with the status quo. Campbell wasn't playing well, and Skinner wasn't playing well. Now, I don't think Pickard is a long-term solution. I have no doubt they're looking around um, at some of the other options that are available to them around the league. But... You know, you can't wait anymore. You have to do something. And I don't know a lot of teams that would have done this. Um, There's a lot of general managers that would be afraid to ask their owner to do this. But the bottom line is this is a huge season. And they simply got into a position where they said, 
the status quo can't continue, and, and this is what we have to do. And I think that good teams do that. I think good organizations do that. You have to make these kinds of decisions, even though a lot of people won't. Chatting with Elliot Friedman right now, and you got to wonder, we'll get to the replacements in a second here, and there's been many that have been thrown out in the Twitterverse uh, and suggested by Oilers fans, but it it begs the question whether they overcorrected something in the offseason here because of how uh, porous that transition game in particular has been, and when you think about that, was something they were deliberately trying to address and fix and yes. and uh, and it just looks like it didn't land it didn't resonate I know they're they're trying to go back to the way that it was but do you think that there was an overcorrection there It's possible but you know it's possible there was but like to me you watch that game on Monday night in Vancouver Brandon how many of those mistakes were self-inflicted Mhm a lot of them. Yeah. Like, there were mistakes there that weren't system-related. There was, you know, there was bad pinches. There was bad back-checking. Did it look like there was some confusion? Yes. But there was also a lot of stuff that, you know, if, if I was a player, I'd have to look at myself in the mirror and say, did I make the right play there? Did I, did I make the smart play there? Did I give the best effort there? Um, you know, that's, you know, if, if your, if your group isn't playing at its best and going its hardest, you know, the best systems in the world aren't going to do anything. And I think that was the thing that surprised me the most about, uh, about that game Monday night is that was a desperate game for Edmonton and they, they really beat themselves in a lot of ways. Like Vancouver is really good right now. And if you give them that opening, they will take advantage of it. But I looked at several of those plays and just said, you know, that's, that's, on, that's on the players. Now, that second goal, I think, look, nobody in Edmonton needs me to say what I'm going to say. They looked deflated. Like when that went in, the game was over right there. And I don't think that's acceptable. I understand why that's why the Edmonton had to make the change they did with Campbell. But I also think there's still well over 40 minutes to play and you, you have to, you can't throw in the towel in a 2-1 game. I understand you sag. I understand you're saying, here we go again. But you got to do better than that. Chatting with Elliot Friedman, he's our headliner tonight. Brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. The reason that, it, it, that this bothers me and I think a lot of other people is because it's the same mistakes being made by the same players repeatedly, and, and that's resulted in some questions about accountability. I don't know how the whole team wouldn't be playing guilty and looking at themselves and where they're accountable for what their teammate is enduring right now. I think that this is it's kind of spark no general manager obviously wants to have to turn to, but they're looking for the same end result that could have been enacted by fire a coach or a general manager or a big trade or something like that. It doesn't really free up a lot of uh, cap space, so I don't see a whole lot of other movement. But uh, I know that when you see Evan Bouchard sort of make an egregious error and then not miss any time because they can't afford to have him miss any time, uh, what's your mm-hmm. take on the accountability on this team? And, and was this sort of one way to, to make everybody accountable in a hurry? Well, I think that I think that first of all, like I said, there's number one is 
you, you couldn't keep the status quo going. And and the, and the number one thing you could change in the short term was the goaltending, even though it was a move that I don't think a lot of us were expecting. I, I, I think, but I do think the accountability thing is a big thing. Like Bouchard's had a rough year. Um, he's still got, you know, he, he, like there's been some goals this year where he's kind of been like the guy you look at and say, oh, like the, uh, maybe a harder play from him or a better play from him could have made a difference. So I, I, I do think accountability matters. Like you can't fool players. They know, like you look at, I mean, you look at Calgary last night, they, they took their $10 million player, $10.5 million player, and they benched them for the whole third period and they won the game. You know, I mean, you know, players know who deserves to be in there and who doesn't. Now you mentioned part of the problem there. They don't have any extra players. Um, it's also it's also easier to bench one forward than it is to bench a defenseman. I think that's a factor too. And I and some coaches have told me before that when you're in a must-win situation like that, even if you want to bench someone, sometimes you're really hurting your team if you do it, especially if the game you feel might still be winnable. So I think you always balance that. Um, you know, the, the one thing I really think, too, is that I don't think the Oilers are necessarily done here. I'm not saying that they're going to do anything, but I think they are looking to do things. And it's harder, but I, I don't think this is a situation now where they're saying, okay, we sent Jack Campbell down to the minors. We're good where we are here now. So here's a few things that concern me regarding what happens next, and I'll certainly get your opinion. Um, the bullet that they wanted to use at this year's trade deadline was intended to upgrade either the bottom six forward group or theoretically the right side of defense. Whatever one was identified that they needed more help with over the course of the first few months of the season. Uh, Philip Broberg's trade value, I would suggest, if he was going to be a sweetener or a piece of the pie, uh, it's really gone nowhere but down. And so now I'm, I'm concerned about the fact that this is an Oilers team who is going to have to make a move to upgrade goaltending once again and use sort of the magic bullets that they should have had pointed at a different position. You see where I'm going with this? I do. Um, well, maybe maybe there's a deal where you can do both. Hmm. You can get a goalie and a player. Um, like I do think, I understand, Brandon, I think it's a very fair point because I think goaltending now rockets to the top. I mean, one thing that's taught me is you have to be very careful about what you think about the exhibition season because Campbell looked really good. And I saw a game, I was at a game in Calgary where he looked really good. And, um, you know, then the season started and it all fell apart. So I understand where you're coming from on this, but the one thing you can look at is you can look at a situation where is there a, a team we can deal with where we think a goalie helps us and a player helps us? And I, and I do think that Edmonton will look at that kind of a situation. So we've heard the likes of Jordan Bennington, Jake Allen mm-hmm. would make some sense. Dollar-wise, there's going to have to be somebody else attached to it from Edmonton to even bring one of those goaltenders back, I believe. So what, uh, yeah. what can you tell us about what you're hearing? I'm sure there's some exploring going on from Edmonton's front office. Well, I, I think they're looking at every option. Like I, 
Like they've they've been sp- calling teams. Like I think that there's an option out there. Like one of the things I'm kind of writing I'm writing my notes is that when I've talked to, to Ken Holland about trading for goaltenders in the past, the one thing he always says is, if you're going to give up key pieces to for a goalie, you better be darn sure that the guy you're getting is better than what you're than what you're moving on from. And that's something he's always talked about. Like, am I sure that the goalie I'm getting is better? And But the problem is, Brennan, I think in this case, there's so much at stake. This is a big year for the team. You know, McDavid and Dreisaitl are in their primes. They, you know, they, they, their, their contracts are getting close. So you, it, it adds to the urgency. I, I think you kind of have to throw that out of the window a bit. I, I think you kind of have to say, like, you just you grab your poker chips and you throw them in and you say, screw it, I'm, I'm all in. So you might have to move sideways a little bit. The Binnington thing to me, the, the, the concern I have is that Binnington makes, is it $6 million. So that's a big, when you're at the cap, like, look at it and tell me, First of all, the Blues, unless they're giving up on the season, and I don't think they are, they need a goalie in return. And they're not taking Campbell. So, you know, what – so if the Blues are trading him, I wonder what they're thinking goalie-wise. So I look at it from their point of view, too. And how are you going to make all those numbers work? Like, that's not one contract you might have to move. It's two. And so – you know, what, you know, what do you think, how do you think that trade looks? You know, Allen, to me, it's, it makes more sense. It's a more manageable number. Um, you know, I, I mean, like, and Montreal has shown that where they are in their rebuilding, they will take a contract, but the cost has been high. Look, the, the Sean Monaghan deal looks really good for them. They got a first rounder out of it. So you know that. I, I don't have any doubt that they've talked to Montreal about the possibility of Allen. You know, the, the guy, if you're really going to try to hit the home run, and I'm not even sure you can get him, the guy you got to go for is Saros. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, watch, I'm watching him last night, and he's, you know, he, he almost single-handedly wins that game for the Flames. Um, you know, I, I think the Predators would talk about it, but it's expensive. And, but again, it's a number where, you know, you know, some things are going to have to go the other way. Like if I was in your shoes, that's the call I'd be making. And I don't even know if it's possible, but that's the call I would be making. That's, I had him written down as would this be a team that they would call once again? And, and really, if you're pushing the chips into the table to me, uh, can we dispel Carter Hart is not leaving Philadelphia? No. It's not that he's not coming to Edmonton. It's that he's not leaving Philly. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's a trade anybody's making right now. No. Couldn't agree more. Okay, um, let's talk about it as we wrap up here with Elliot Friedman, brought to you by Abe's Store Service. You mentioned Jonathan Huberto's benching down in Calgary. That was some pretty obvious accountability there uh, for Ryan Huska behind the bench, and um, it just hasn't worked for
for Huberdeau really any better than it's worked for Jack Campbell up here since he got his big contract? Uh, what, what are you seeing when you're looking at that situation and, and uh, where things might go for a guy who they committed a lot of money to before he even really stepped on the ice? Well, I, I think this. I, the, the number one thing I, I think is they know, like, you can't trade him, right? Like, he's not tradable. So I think what they look at there, Brandon, is they say, like, Calgary's in the middle of deciding what they're going to do with a lot of guys. And I, I think what's happened is they, they've discussed, if we're going to target players, we have to get guys here who we think can help him. Like, I absolutely believe that's one of their, one of their things is if we go out and trade for someone, we should be targeting guys who we might think might be a stylistic fit. You know, one of the tough things, like, and you see it in your division, Huberto's very east-west, he, and he was good at that, but Edmonton's a straight-line team. You know, the Kings are a straight-line team. Vegas is a straight-line team, great transition team. I just think the division he's in, like, that's, it's hard to play that way. And especially teams like Vegas and the Kings who really check. Like, it's, it's hard to do that. But that's what I think this is really coming down to is, well, they know, they're, they're, they know he's there. He's not going anywhere. But I think they're trying to find guys, identify guys that they think could play with them. And quite simply, Huberto has to play better. Like he has to be a lot better. Elliot, this was awesome. Thank you so much for the time tonight. No worries, Brennan. Take care. Speak to you later. That is Elliot Friedman, our friend from NHL Hockey on Rogers for Abe's Door Service. We'll press pause on Oilers now. Bring it back with some of your text messages when we return. So I'm getting a little flack on Twitter, which I guess isn't unusual, but uh, for the sake of saying, like, why are you so certain that Philadelphia isn't trading Carter Hart? There's a couple of reasons why I think that Nashville's more likely to part with Saros than uh, Philadelphia is likely to part with Carter Hart. Not the least of which is the fact that Yaroslav Askarov is waiting in the wings. He is a former first-round pick of the Predators, so you've invested in him already as your future goaltender. He's been matriculating very well in the minors. He's got his own, uh, it's like a McFarlane figure. You know, we know a bobblehead night, but instead they're doing a McFarlane figure of him bench-pressing a net, which he did in celebration of a shootout win like the guys got some moxie so they have their goaltender of the future in Nashville within the organization I think that that's everything that they'd been hoping in Philadelphia that Carter Hart would end up being and then you look at the fact that Hart is three years younger than Saros and all of that cooked together is why I'm not convinced Philadelphia is going to move on from 
heart, but I am convinced that there's a deal to be made for Saros. We'll see where those two teams end up in the course of this next couple of weeks, because I think Edmonton should be working the phones, obviously. And hey, due to popular demand, down to, what, one seat left on this additional uh, New West travel trip down to Montreal, watching the Oilers play the Canadians. Package includes airfare, three nights in a deluxe hotel in downtown Montreal. Game tickets in a private suite with food and drinks, and of course, a welcome reception or two with Bob, Cam, special guests as well. Experience the incredible hockey history in Montreal this January. To be a part of this awesome Montreal road trip, call the New West Travel uh, Gang today or head online to newwesttravel.com. Lots still coming up. John Shannon, our NHL insider, going to join us. We'll check in on the Edmonton Oil Kings as well at 635 with their head coach, Luke Pierce, but not before a global news weather traffic update with Thomas Dias.